For this reason, says Paul, I, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul is writing this letter while sitting in a Roman prison. Yet he doesn't say, Paul, I, a prisoner of Rome. He says, I, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He recognizes the sovereignty of Christ. See, Roman authorities have him in custody, thinking that 
they're controlling him, thinking that they're stopping him from spreading the word. But Paul knows that ultimately his fate, his life and his work, rest solely in the hands of our Almighty Father. And it is for this reason that he reminds the Gentiles and reminds all of us of the plan of God to reconcile all people to him through Jesus. And it is for this reason that he reminds us of God's grace in all that he has done for us. Paul's already told them, you're chosen, you're redeemed, you've been adopted, you've been made joint heirs with Christ, and you're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. The last verse, verse 13, he says to them, do not be discouraged because of my suffering. The reason Paul's in prison is because he preached the gospel. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything illegal. He offended the Roman rulers by sharing the story of Jesus Christ. And he's saying that's a good thing. He says, I'm in prison for the gospel. If I didn't share the gospel, I wouldn't be in prison. But the greater tragedy here is that if I didn't share the gospel, then you'd still be trapped up in your sin. The grace and the mercy of God have been revealed to us through Jesus' death and resurrection. We've been made one as a body because of Jesus. It's been God's plan since the creation of the world. And Paul says, what a plan! What a God we serve! And so he responds with worship. He starts up again in chapter 3, in verse 14. He starts on his knees in prayer. For this reason, he says, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is one of the greatest prayers in scripture. Paul prays specifically for three things for the believers. First thing he prays for is strength. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul's already prayed for them to receive the power of the spirit back in chapter 1. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and his incomparably 
great power for us who believe. But he's specifying this prayer. Strength in your inner being. Why? Why is that so important in your inner being? Because our inner being, our heart, our soul, it's eternal. And above all else, we're to guard our heart. Because everything that we do flows from our heart. And so Paul's praying for our our hearts, our souls to be strengthened through Jesus. It's the strength of the Holy Spirit in you that's going to help you face the circumstances in the world. It's going to help you face those trials that come at you. It doesn't matter how much or how little physical strength you have. What matters to God is your heart. The external, the physical, is only temporary. But our inner being, our soul lives forever. And God always looks to the heart. He never looks at the outside. Remember when Samuel was looking for Israel's next king. He was looking for the strong son. He was looking for the one that was the tallest. The one burly. And this is what God said to him in 1 Samuel. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Paul's saying you need strength in your heart and your soul because that's where Christ dwells. What does that mean? Christ dwells in us. When Jay and I moved to Florida, our house was, the house that we purchased was interesting. There were mirrors everywhere. Mirrors everywhere. And one of the bedrooms had leopard print wallpaper. In fact, in one of those bathrooms, if you go in it, there's still leopard print wallpaper in there. We haven't gotten to all of the areas. But in this one bedroom, yes, there was leopard print wallpaper. And one of the bathrooms was painted a mustard yellow color with turquoise blue, bright turquoise blue trim. Yeah. But slowly, as we lived in our home, little by little, we made our home more fitting for us. So it became more reflective of who we were. Now when someone comes to visit us, they see who we are, not a reflection of the people that used to be there. See, when we repent and we ask Jesus to forgive our sins, we put our life in his hands and and we say "He's, he's living in my heart, he's dwelling in me now. We're the leopard print wallpaper people. When Jesus comes, he's looking around saying, what a mess. But little by little, he transforms our hearts. He transforms our inner being to be more reflective of him and his character. And that's why Paul's praying that the believers would be strengthened. So that they could see the work that Jesus was doing in them and through them. 
to make us more like him. See, when we're able to see the work that Jesus is doing in us, we're not going to be as tempted to fall back on the person that we used to be, but instead look ahead to the person that he's making us to be, which is more like him. And that's when we're able to fulfill God's purpose for us. Sometimes our prayers will focus on avoiding pain. Lord, Lord, this hurts. This hurts. Make it stop. I don't want to do this anymore. Or we focus on changing our circumstances. Lord, I don't like this. Like, I don't like it at all. Can't you change it? Can you just change the situation, Lord? No. No. We desperately, desperately need the Holy Spirit to strengthen us in our inner being so we have the courage to walk where he leads us so that even when it hurts, even when the road is difficult, we know he's walking us through it and we can get through it. Because that's where our growth happens. That's where we're transformed. We're not transformed in the good stuff. That's where we get comfortable. And it's Paul saying, you need the strength. He knows it. He's sitting in a prison writing this letter. He knows what they need. So he's praying for them to be strengthened. When the Holy Spirit's strength is in us, that's when we get renewed day after day. We're empowered for our daily living. It's when we're more focused on living with joyful hearts. We resist temptation with boldness and courage. And we even endure persecution and respond with love. Which brings us to the second thing that Paul prayed for the believers. He prayed for love. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. God's love is limitless. It's infinite because God is love. 1 John 4, 8, But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Paul's prayer is that we would develop a lifestyle of love through Jesus, by faith, together with one another. He's not praying that they would just love God more. He's praying that God will give them the power to comprehend the limitless of his love for them. He's praying for them to have a deeper experience with Christ. Listen to this Psalm 139, starting in verse 5. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, ever there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. We're surrounded and enveloped by the love of God. But we need the power of God to strengthen us to begin to understand it. 
Because the love of God goes beyond our natural understanding. We just can't wrap our heads around it. We think of love as, oh, I love this movie. I love this song. Oh, I love pizza for dinner. God's love is not like that. And we just can't grasp that. So we need a prayer for strength so we can understand really what God's love is all about for us. Because if we continue to look for God's love in our limited human understanding, it skews our whole perspective. We begin to question, well, why would God allow suffering? Why would God allow evil into the world? That's our idea of love, not God's. It takes the power of the Spirit to see God's love in the darkest of times. And we will never get there with just our natural human ability. I read an article this week. It was posted on last Monday. It was about the people in Haiti and what they had done on Sunday. They went to church. They didn't have a church, but they all got together and they sang worship to God. Think about the devastation in this picture. You have all these people standing there, hands raised to the Father in heaven. They've lost everything. That's grasping the depth of God's love so that you can, in the midst of of turmoil, in the midst of everything being gone, you can still say, Lord, I worship you, I praise you because of who you are. That is God's love coming back down. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to grasp that immenseness. And when we do, it compels us to fall in love with him even more. As we walk with God through life in the high moments and in the low moments, that's when we experience him in deeper ways. The closest illustration I could come up with for, for what that really looks like is marriage. The day I got married, I thought, oh, I'm so in love. This is the greatest day. I love him so much. I can't possibly love him any more than I do right now. 24 years later, I can say, wow, I can't imagine how much I love him now compared to 24 years ago. Because you experience life together. You experience the ups and the downs, the hard times and the good times. And you grow to love them more. You just fall in love all that much more. And that's what Paul's praying for the believers. I pray that you can just go so deep with Christ that you just fall so in love with him. That's what he's talking about. Our love is foundational for everything that we're going to do for him. Jesus told his followers that the greatest commandment was to love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second commandment was like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Everything we do hinges on our ability to love. And our ability to love is built upon God's love for us. 
have to grasp just how fast it is. It's incomprehensible. It really is. But we have to get an idea of just its infinite and limitless dimensions. The cross is really the greatest example of love to the world. It displays the height, the depth, the width, and the length of the love of God. It shows a love that's wide enough to embrace the whole world. It's a love that's long enough to outlast time itself. It's a love that's high enough to take sinners to heaven. And it's a love that's deep enough to reach the lowliest of sinners. 1 John 4, 16. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Christ dwells in you. You need to love. With God living in us, when we come together in worship, in fellowship to share his work in our lives, we're able to grasp just a little bit more of his boundless love. And then it fills us up so that the love of God just bubbles up and overflows. Which brings us to Paul's third request. He prays for the fullness of God. To know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We already mentioned Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. Whatever's in your heart is what dominates your life. If you're filled with bitterness, you approach new opportunities with resentment. You start to look through a lens of negativity. Some might say you're Debbie Downer. They bring an idea to you and you just shoot it down. Maybe your heart's filled with joy. And then you approach new opportunities with hope and a positive attitude. But some might say you're Pollyanna. But when we're filled with the fullness of God, our lives are lined up with his will. And we display the characteristics of him in all that we do. Being filled with the fullness of God is what we like to call sanctification. It's a growing and maturing of our faith. It's God pouring himself into us until we're full. But sometimes we're too full of ourselves to let him in. I like to have fresh cut flowers in my house. I just, I don't know what it is. I just love, it's just fresh. And, but I don't like cleaning out the vase after. Because it's really hard to clean out that vase. And when you clean out the vase, what you have to do to get all that dirt out, you just have to keep flooding it with the clean water. So that eventually the clean water that's coming in is just flushing out all the bad stuff. That's what this means, to be filled with the fullness of God. If you want to be filled with the fullness of God, you have to fill up with his spirit and allow it to change you transform you to reflect him to those around you. We have to fill up with his word. 
through prayer, through worship, and fellowship with one another. It's, Lord, fill me with your joy. Lord, fill me with your forgiveness and your mercy. Lord, fill me with your peace. In the ladies' Bible study this past week, it was a great illustration of, of filling us up. Dale had made these little jars, and we had to put little items in there. We had to write out things that we were thankful for, things that would bring us peace. And the idea behind it was that every time that you started to feel anxious, every time you started to feel worry, you would reach into that jar and you would pull out one of those Bible verses, one of those thoughts that would bring you back. That's what it is. It's that filling back up of the good stuff, the God stuff, so that you can release the junk that's being filled with the fullness of God. And it seems impossible. It seems completely out of reach for us. And that's why Paul closes out his prayer with this message. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. In Christ all things are possible. This is an encouragement for believers in the power of prayer. We pray to a God that is unlimited in power. And he's able to do immeasurably more than we could ever possibly imagine. Our God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's not limited by anything. There is nothing that he cannot accomplish. He made everything from nothing. He used the Jewish nation to bring forth a Messiah. He used a persecutor of the Christians to proclaim the good news of salvation to the world. And he chose you and me to be a part of his body, adopted into his family, a part of his church. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that same power that seated Jesus at his right hand, that same power lives in every one of you. Do you understand how big that is? It's huge. See, the church exists for the glory of God. We should be consumed with his glory. Our eyes should be so fixed on him and his purposes. But sometimes we get caught up in our own stuff. We want our plans for the church. We hold tight to what we like. We hold tight to our preferences or our way of doing it, our traditions, our wants. But God says, let go of those things because you have no idea how much more I can do for you if you just release it. Think what I can do. Immeasurably more than you could possibly imagine. We need to keep our eyes fixed on God's purpose and God's goals. And those are prayed down from heaven. They're not from here. They're prayed down from heaven itself. If we want to be a church that's going to love in ways that matter, if we want to be a church that makes an impact in the lives of others, we have to pray the way Paul prayed. 
We have to pray for the Spirit to strengthen us so that we see him at work in us and through us. We have to pray for the Spirit to root us in the love for Christ and one another. We have to pray for an ever-growing fullness of Christ in our lives. Because as we mature in our faith and become more like Christ, people will notice. And we know that God will answer this prayer. Because 1 John 5.14 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of of him. Church, if we pray like Paul did for these three things, for the spirit to strengthen us, that's worship. If we pray to be rooted in love as the foundation of all we do, that's loving everyone. If we pray for an ever-growing fullness of Christ, they will be able to serve as one. And there'll be revival out there. And we'll make such an impact, I'll tell you that the, the gates of hell will be shaking. I believe it, church. I know that that's what God's plan is. If we can pray those three things, he's going to blow the roof off of this building. I know it. Holy, Holy Father, I thank you for your word. I pray, I pray strength for everyone in this room, Father. I pray that they see the work you're doing in them. I pray that they can grasp the love you have for them. Just the immenseness of how much you love them. Father, and I pray, I just, I pray for strength, Father. We know We know that you're about to do something here, Father. We know that we are here to worship you, to love you, to serve you, Father. As we leave this place, Father, may we hold tight to this prayer. May we pray it for others in our lives, Father. May we be in your will. May we shine our lights as we leave this place. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen.